This is the First Bed Racing Show on HRRN. Off the turn on the stretch drive, Sibelius has the lead, but he's got work to do. Long range, Toddy going to try again from the outside. It's Hurricane J. Dreaming of Kona is next with Gilmore. Eighth of a mile to go, Sibelius maintaining his lead. Long range, Toddy trying so hard, but making no impression. He's back. He's Sibelius, the son of not this time, to win the Mr. Prospector by three in the end. Gilmore gets up for second, closer for third. Either long range, Toddy, or Dreaming of Kona. 123, flat. Now, here's Bobby Newman and Bob Nastanovich. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich. We've got live action today for both Gulfstream and Aqueduct, and they're coming up real fast. Ninth and final on the card at Gulfstream, just two minutes away, Bob. 68 degrees right now here in South Florida. It rained all morning, uh, but the rain has stopped, yet the uh, track conditions are still off. Doesn't affect this ninth and final race, which is always scheduled to be on the synthetic tapita surface, a mile and a sixteenth the distance here. Maiden two-year-olds, uh, a field of ten going to post, and your first bet of the day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, two-year-olds... Um... In fact, it's a very nasty day down there and a nasty day at uh, Aqueduct as well. But, yeah, two-year-olds on the synth, very little synth experience, as you might expect. Uh, and a horse um, in the entries that really stood out for me, a first-time starter by Omaha Beach, a first-crop stallion that we all know has had a very good season. Uh, this one's out of a Super Saver mare. Again, a firster from the Christoph Clement barn with a decent set of works at Payson Park but becomes the first U.S. mount for jockey Oshin Murphy, who's now riding at Gulfstream Park. He'll be riding a few stakes over the weekend. This is his only mount on the card. I found it interesting that he would show up here. I don't think he's uh, out there to just experience the uh, tappet at Gulfstream. He's ridden on plenty of synth courses in, in England where he's been champion rider before. And I'm going to go with a stream song, well-bred horse, and the uh, with a notable jockey booking. Okay, and we'll talk a little bit more about Asheen Murphy a little bit later in the show, but Stream Song, named after the fairly new golf resort in the middle of Nowheresville, Florida, but they've got three golf courses and are planning a fourth, I believe, and uh, it's well known for that, and this first time started by Omaha Beach, Bob's first bet of the day. First bet AI says you got to look at the 10, Salacious, who was 6-1 to one on the morning line, is actually up to 9-1 to one on the board, but a 27% chance of winning according to the first bet AI. So uh, Salacious, uh, maybe some hidden form there, has tried synth once, tried turf once, kind of mid-pack finishes in both of those races. Speed figure-wise, just fine. No reason to think that Salacious can't be in the hunt, but the betters are overlooking this one right now. Doesn't really look, Bob, like the the betting public really has a stronghold of this race. You mentioned there's not a lot of synth experience with those that have run already, these two-year-olds. You've got a couple of seven-to-two shots on the board, a four-to-one shot, a nine-to-two shot. Um, it really does look like a grab bag, and maybe that's adding to the reason that you think Streamsong has a big chance. Yeah, Mythic Performance does have a good effort on the synth. It was November 18th, mile and, seven, mile and 70 yards on the uh, Tapita here, finished third, beaten four lengths. Um, of the ones who've run, Inherent uh, Promise has run a couple of nice races. On the grass for Bill Mott, he looks a little bit on the slow side. Always be smart's kind of interesting in here. A, a tap at Colt out of 11 drop kid mare. 
So very versatile pedigree for routing. Um, it's a, a horse that's co-owned by Repley, trained by Todd Pletcher, ridden by uh, uh, John Velasquez, but got beat 10 lengths by a uh, Safi Joseph trainee, a horse called uh, Merritt, um, who must be pretty talented. And, and uh, taking some money in the early betting with Safi Joseph's uh, runner in here, Breakout, who was 12 to 1 in the morning line and has been bet all the way down to 7 to 2. So he's very live on the board. But again, very wide open contest. All right, runners are making their way from the dirt over to the synthetic track where they will load in for this ninth and final race on the Thursday card at Gulfstream Park. Thankfully, the weather is supposed to be much better throughout the weekend here in South Florida. I don't know if that means that the turf course will dry out enough for them to actually run turf races tomorrow. But I would think for Saturday and Sunday, they should have no problems. It's just they had a whole lot of rainfall in about a four-hour period in here in South Florida today. It's not the time of year that it normally rains here in South Florida, but it rained and it came. It, it was like torrential rain for about uh, three or four hours. And uh, now it has stopped. The sun is trying to come out. But obviously the damage is done as far as the main track and the turf horse course we're concerned this uh synthetic track not affected at all at least as far as we know by the additional rainfall so these two-year-olds have arrived at the starting gate for the ninth and final at the card at Gulfstream. we can tell you over at aqueduct horses are warming up for the eighth and final race on their card so we should have no problem getting you both of these races in their entirety right now not much change as far as the wagering goes number two breakout Seven to two on the board, bet down from 12 to one on the morning line. Number eight, Mythic Performance, one that Bob mentioned, uh, co favored at seven to two right now. Bob's selection, number six, Scream Song, getting some play. Seven to one, the first time starter by Omaha Beach, debuting for Christophe Clement, first mount uh, at Gulfstream Park for top European rider Asheen Murphy. And the first bet AI selection, number 10, Salacious, still an over uh, uh, an overlay, as it were, on the board at 9-1. to one. So uh, not much movement in the wagering in the last few minutes, which, listen, we're happy when there's not much movement. There's so much negativity with late movement, uh, especially really, really late movement. When we see no movement, it's kind of a, a refreshing uh, a look at it. Last few are going in. We'll hand it off to Pete Aiello for the finale at Gulfstream. And runners away. Slow break from Always Be Smart. Quick start in the middle for Tricari, who heads off for the early lead. Mythic Performance moves to take on that leader. He's racing in second early, angling wide to the first turn as team captain. Saving ground goes break out. In between horses, it's Dangerous Driver. Salacious is on the far outside, and Streamsong is in very tight. Headstrong is he while three wide. Inherent Promise saves ground in a tight spot toward the rail ahead of El Razine, and the early trailer after the slow break is Always Be Smart, but he's not far away. No more than five and a half lengths from first to last, just checking was inherent promise. Tricari has a lead. He has him stacked and packed behind him with Mythic Performance second. Moving out the rail, let's break out a joint third. Out in the center, team captain is racing to the top flight and in between horses, dangerous driver. Then it's Salacious. He's the gray on the far outside. Held up between horses, both El Razine and Stream Song. Inherent promise holds down the rail and out wide at the back of the field is always be smart. 
It went 49-3 for the opening half mile as they make their way to the far turn. Mythic performance latched onto Dakari. They start to quicken. Breakout needs a way out. Then team captain fourth. Improving out the rail. Inherent promise. Salacious is three wide. Dangerous driver between horses. El Razine and always be smarter next. And Streamsong needs to get a rally together as they run to the final quarter of a mile. It's mythic performance through three quarters in 13-2. and two. On the inside, Dracari fights back and breakout tries to split horses. He angles for racing room. These three have kicked on. Tricari's a big price and he's still in front. Tricari to the top of the eighth pole in front by a length and a quarter. Outside, Mythic Performance is trying hard, but Tricari and Jorge Ruiz, they have other ideas. Tricari springs the upset at 25 to 1. Mythic Performance was second. Third was Breakout, then Team Captain in 142 and 3. Unofficially, 7, 8, 2, 9 in the finale at Gulfstream Park. We'll be back with those results and prices in a little bit. We need to get over to Aqueduct for the eighth and final on their card. Sloppy main track, 51 degrees, showers in the area. It's supposed to rain throughout the night tonight in New York. This is a one-turn mile on the main track for New York-bred two-year-old maiden fillies in for a $30,000 tag. Field of 11, Bob. First bet, AI says number one, handle on you, who's the 5-2 to two favorite, the one to beat at 24%. How did you see this one? Yeah, he's interesting in here. First time going a route for uh, Rudy Rodriguez and Ruben Silvera. Handle on you. Um, first time on the rail. Um, should like a wet track. Acted on in, in his debut. Again, these are maidens of, of the maiden claiming 30 variety. Um, I gave a, a nod to Love Like Crazy in here, who's um, about the price I, I thought uh, she'd be. Um, her sire, Lay Afric, uh, won the Fayette on a, on a muddy track. And um, ran okay in, in her debut, but again, uh, just like a typical maiden claiming 30 at uh, Aqueduct, not much to get too excited about. And just like the race, we saw wide open, and that was a paceless affair, and this very well could be as well. Typical final race of the day during the winter time in New York. Big field with no real horse to latch on to. Good prices everywhere. If you can somehow beat number one handle on you, uh, you're going to get a nice payoff. And even if handle on you gets the job done, it's not like you're taking a four to five shot in this spot. But a big field of 11 to round it out. Here is Chris Griffin on the call. And they're off. Song of Solomini's got early speed. Dactilo Grafa is in the early mix as well. And there's Love Like Crazy from In Between Horses. Tightly at the rail. That's going to be Handle on You. Wise conversation. Tightly bunched here towards the front end. On the far outside, here's Dame Catherine to join those early leaders as they come out of the chute. It's Song of Solomini in between horses now with the neck in front. Right there, tight hold. This love like crazy to the inside as a shared second. Is there with Dame Catherine, who's up alongside towards the outside. Also moving forward, there's Mia Nipotina with Born for Greatness, still tightly bunched. They went 23 and 4 for that opening quarter mile. They're five across the racetrack, right in behind them. Orange cap, that's wise conversation. At the rail, that's Dactilografa. Handle on you is moving forward there with Mother Mary and the trailer bells tolling tightly bunched here as they approach a half mile left to go under a drive towards the inside it's love like crazy song of solomini is 61 to 1 and still has a head in front but here's dame catherine who's now looming up on the outside to stalk those pace setters as they went 47 and 4 for that half mile time board for greatness and dylan davis they're on the move four wide under a drive is wise conversation mother mary and the pink blinkers and jackie davis are making a move but wide to the outside of mia nipotina song of solomini is still holding them off with a quarter mile left to go song of solomini 
is down towards the inside here of Dame Catherine, who has not pushed by yet with every shot in between horses. Born for Greatness is up alongside as well. It's Song of Solomini, who's all heart down towards the inside. But here comes Born for Greatness trying to run by the big long shot at 19 to 1. Born for Greatness, Song of Solomini comes back to the inside here of Dame Catherine. Almost there is Born for Greatness. Song of Solomini is very game, but Born for Greatness is your winner. Song of Solomini at a big number there, second Dame Catherine. And Wise, conversation in one minute, 41 seconds flat. A pedestrian like one minute, 41 seconds flat on the sloppy track for the one turn mile at Aqueduct. But Bob, when you go to cash your tickets or you're getting paid for the purse that you won, they don't ask how fast you ran the race. And the winner was number eight, Born for Greatness, who ends up going off at 19 to one. Yeah, no, uh, nice horse. Uh, Tim Hills and Dylan Davis had flash route speed um, and uh, carried on with it today, laid very close to, to a uh, pedestrian uh, set of fractions there and we had a 61 to one shot really dig in uh, very game effort uh, but uh, again probably a race not to uh, hang your hat on but uh, doesn't matter for uh, born for greatness fans they get a 40 dollar payoff in here all right once again eight five six two the unofficial order of finish in the finale at aqueduct will get you those prices uh, in a, just a little bit uh, gonna have a special edition of the First Bet Racing Show today. We actually don't have more live races today. And that's not because we're choosing not to have more, more live races, but there were tracks like Gulfstream and Santa Anita that ran on Tuesday. Gulfstream traditionally uh, ends a little bit earlier right now with the weekday racing. Aqueduct is done. Uh, tracks like Santa Anita and Fairgrounds and Oaklawn, all ones that we might cover uh, are not racing today. But the great news is, is that this gives us a chance to have some guests join us on the show. We're going to be joined a little bit later, about 20, 25 minutes from now, from Jeff Siegel, live in Southern California. He's going to talk about what he saw during the recent opening day stakes out at Santa Anita this past Tuesday. Jeremy Plonk, editor-in-chief for Express Beck, going to join us to talk about what's coming up this weekend as far as stakes races around the country, and he's going to handicap the races for us. In fact, uh, we're going to look at a lot of them. We're going to look at all four of the stakes on Saturday at Gulfstream, the two Santa Anita stakes, the two Laurel stakes, and really pick his brain and see who he really likes in some of those, some of those big races. In addition, there was a stake race that already took place today at Aqueduct, and that race was race number seven. It was the Bay Ridge. We are going to go back and play that race for you in full and talk about that race in the next segment. So a, a full day here on the First Bet Racing Show, despite the fact that we are not overloaded with live races. Uh, at the top of the show, Bob, we heard the stretch run of Sibelius winning the Mr. Prospector this past weekend out at Gulfstream Park. Uh, Gulfstream Park had four stakes this past weekend and uh, this past Saturday. We've got another four this coming Saturday, but we saw some good performances at Gulfstream Park this last weekend, and uh, not the least of which was Sibelius winning the Mr. Prospector. Sibelius uh, hadn't run since the early part of October when running kind of midfield in a race over at Keeneland, uh, but he had proven that he liked Gulfstream Park in the past and uh, got a nice cozy outside post and was very, very good under Junior Alvarado. Yeah, no, it's a race that really got him going last year. He won the race uh, in 2022, and uh, great job by Jerry O'Dwyer to get him back to his best, and I'm sure he'll be targeted now 
for a repeat win in the $2 million uh, Golden Shaheen at Maydan Racecourse in a few months on, a, on a Dubai World Cup Day. Once again, that race was just one of four graded, or four, not graded stakes, but four stakes this past Saturday at Gulfstream Park. The other graded stake was the Grade 3 Sugar Swirl, named after uh, Good Philly, that was owned by Stronic Stables. And the Spirit Wind ended up uh, holding off Intrepid Daydream to win by half a length. I know, Bob, both you and I thought Intrepid Daydream, who had been uh, running basically for the most part in Maryland and was riding a four-race win streak, was going to be very, very tough to beat. She ran a good race, but the fact was that Spirit Wind got out by herself with no pressure at all and held her off pretty easily. Uh, No, Spirit Wind loves the racetrack, and as you said, she broke... Two two and a half lengths on 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 top here, and uh, Intrepid Daydream ran a mighty race. I mean, she kept on grinding and kept on battling. I mean, I think you basically have to be very pleased with the efforts of uh, both of these fillies. Um, but again, Spirit win, home home field advantage, and most importantly, she won the race at the start. Also had the Tropical Park Oaks and Tropical Park Derby run this past Saturday. For many, many years, when these races were held over at Calder, they were January 1st and 2nd. They were the first Oaks and first Derbies of the year, but now they're run at the end of the year. So instead of being the first chance to win an Oaks or a Derby, it's the last chance for these uh, Colts and Geldings or Phillies to run against just three-year-olds before they're going to have to tackle their elders starting in 2024. Be My Sunshine impressively getting up and winning by a head uh, at a nice price in the Tropical Park Oaks, uh, beating Breath Away, the favorite Cairo Consort, uh, really didn't have a whole lot. I don't know if she had a whole lot of excuse or not. Uh, she just simply was fourth best. She didn't get beat more than I don't know, about a length and a half or so, but she was fourth best in the Tropical Park Oaks, Bob. And then the Tropical Park Derby, super blessing at odds of 12 to 1, coming from mid-pack to get up and win by a neck over the favorite Irish Aces. Yeah, no, they were both good races. Um, Irish um, Aces drew into the race, and basically both of them came down to being wide-open affairs on paper and the same when they ran the races, and super blessing under an excellent ride by Edwin Gonzalez, got a dream uh, path right through the middle, closing the stretch to win by a neck. And the same can be said in the uh, Tropical Park Oaks, a similar uh, performance for the uh, Kenneth Ramsey-owned Safi Joseph-trained Be My Sunshine. This was Edgar Zayas uh, this time finding the seam and winning by a head. And our uh, buddy Dean Reeves uh, got denied again this time by a head. Um, at least his horse uh, kept second place, but Breathaway ran a mighty race to finish second on Andra, Andra Vincent Chaminot. So they both look like great races on paper. And uh, like you said, Cairo Con- Consort, who finished fourth, was probably a disappointment, but she had a pretty luckless run in, in a 11 horse or a 12 horse race. So um, again, luck is a very important part of these races when you have full fields on the turf on these tight turf courses. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we owe you prices at both Gulfstream and at Aqueduct. In fact, we're going to also go back and look at the seventh race from Aqueduct today, their featured event of the afternoon, the Bay Ridge Stakes, all coming up. First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. Daisy was abandoned by her family and placed in foster care at 15 years old. Her life was full of uncertainty. She thought she'd never have a permanent place to call home. Before I was adopted, 
I felt like I wasn't enough. I had this hole in my heart, and I never knew what I needed to patch that hole. But when my mom asked to adopt me, that hole was closed. It feels so normal now to say that I'm a part of this family. I am surrounded by love. I feel safe. And that hole inside of me is gone. I am whole. I'm finally enough just as I am. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption is changing the lives of teenagers at risk of aging out of foster care. Like Daisy, every child deserves a permanent, loving home. You can help. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. While serving in Afghanistan, I was shot in the head by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. I was given a 5% chance to live. I'm Adam Alexander, and I'm a veteran. Today, I visit classrooms and talk with kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life. And it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hi, this is jockey Brian Hernandez. For me, there's no bigger thrill than crossing the finish line in front, and nobody captures the excitement of our sport like Horse Racing Radio Network. Each week, HRRN brings you exclusive talk shows, podcasts, and in-depth conversations with the biggest names in racing, jockeys, trainers, owners, and more. Plus, HRRN is committed to helping disabled riders through their support of the PDJF. So climb aboard a winner today by visiting horseracingradio.net. You're listening to the First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. From the outside, West Omaha, toward the rail, band of gold. Fibber on the extreme outside, up the rail, Sistina Chapel comes. It's Alpine Princess, has led them a long way through three quarters in 1 minute 12.81 seconds. Down toward this final fairgrounds furlong with Laurent Giroux. Alpine Princess leads West Omaha by five. Sistina Chapel's now through into third, and Legadima's a leg-weary fourth. But coming past the 16th, Alpine Princess had the firepower. Alpine Princess to win the Untappable by two. West Omaha was second, Sistina Chapel third, and Legadima finished fourth. That was John Dooley on the call of the Untappable Stakes, a points qualifier toward next year's Kentucky Oaks, Alpine Princess. Getting the job done this past Saturday, one of eight stakes races on the fairgrounds card Saturday, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of those races later on in the show. Welcome back to the First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, we owe you prices from both Gulfstream and Aqueduct. And Bob, at Gulfstream Park, we saw a tenacious long shot on the front end, number seven, Tricari, 
who looked like he just did not want to give it up. He went all the way. Two-year-old Bay Colt by Oscar performance out of the Harlands Holiday Mare Dynamic Holiday, owned by Ammerman Racing and trained by Graham Motion with Jorge Ruiz. Yeah, dismissed by the betting public in what looked like a wide-open race on the synth on paper. And uh, in the end, this was a two-horse race. I mean, Tricari and Mystic Performance got out there and went very slowly, nearly a 50-second first half mile on the front end. And there was a lot of traffic and checking and steadying in behind and a lot of uh, frustrated riders uh, who didn't like the tepid pace. But uh, when they turned for home, Tricari outgutted mythic performance who had the synth experience and uh that was a, a nice win for the seven horse paid fifty five dollars and sixty cents to win twenty one sixty to place twelve dollars even to show mythic performance five forty to place four twenty to show breakout the two horse paid three sixty to show the one dollar exact is seven eight one fifty five forty the fifty cent tries seven eight two three hundred and thirty dollars and eighty five cents and the ten cent super seven eight two and nine four hundred and thirty four dollars and twelve cents. Over at Aqueduct, eighth and final race on their card is now official, and long shots run one two in the finale. It's number eight, Born for Greatness, getting the job done at nineteen to one. She's a two year old chestnut filly by Solomini out of the Corinthian mare Raging Diva, owned by T and J Stable and trained by Tim Hills with jockey Dylan Davis. Yeah, we've seen a lot of these Solominis uh, performing very well uh, in recent weeks in these uh, late-season two-year-old races. And the top two in here, both by uh, Solomini and both at huge prices. Of course, Solomini is the sire of Winstock, who won the Los Al Futurity a few weeks ago. The eight, born for greatness, first one of the meet for Tim Hills, a welcome site for that stable, paid forty-one forty to win, 20 to place, $12 even to show. Song of Solomini, who is 61 to 1, paid $63 to place, $36.40 to show. And Dame Catherine, good effort, paid $6.40 to show. The $1 exacta, 8 and 5, 9 25 50. The 50 cent try, 8 5 6, $2,400 and 75 cents. And the 10 cent super, 8 5 6 2. $5,459.65. Well, they actually had a stake race on today's card at Aqueduct. Pretty rare to have a stake on a Thursday uh, over in New York, especially during the winter time. but that's what they did. The featured race today was the Bay Ridge, and it unfortunately did not go during our first bet racing show window, but we are going to bring it to you in its entirety. This race... Uh, for New York-bred fillies and mares uh, going one mile uh, on the main track, of course, a one-turn mile. Seven were entered, the seven sweet mystery scratched. So a field of six went to post. From the rail out, number one, Cairo Sugar, Jorge Abreu, Isaac Castillo at 13-1. to one. The two, Fingal's Cave, was the two-to-one favorite for David Donk and Jose Lizcano. Three, Venti Valentine, five-to-two for Jorge Abreu and Manny Franco. Four, Sweetie, 13-to-one, Gary Siaka, Ramiro Mirage. Five, Bustin Bay at five-to-two, Linda Rice, Kendra Carmouche. And six, Know-It-All Audrey uh, at five-to-two. I'm sorry, one of them was nine-to-two. Know-It-All Audrey, Oscar Brera III, and Dylan Davis. The big story in this race coming in, Bob, was the return of Fingal's Cave. Fingal's Cave 
looked like she was going to be one of the best New York breads we had seen in a while, certainly on the Philly side. She had won four races in a row to start her career. Those races were all in 2022 as a three-year-old Philly blitzed maidens by eight and a half lengths, blitzed allowance foes by nine, came back in uh, an open allowance at Saratoga and won by almost four, uh, then won a state bread stake and actually ran very well at Keeneland the last time we saw her in the grade two Raven run where she did not get out of the gate, had all sorts of trouble at the start and finished a good second behind the classy Wicked Halo. The problem was that was it for Fingal's Cave. And that last race was October of 2022. She was coming back for a barn and David Donk, who, listen, David Donk is a very nice guy that knows a lot about training horses. He has not had a very good meet thus far at Aqueduct. And overall, his percentage with winning with horses off extreme layoffs like this somewhere around seven, eight percent. So she's certainly had of a lot of excuses not to fire her best shot first start off the layoff. Let's go back in time about 40 minutes from now and listen to the Bay Ridge gate to wire. And they're off. Bustin Bay right out to the front. It's Bustin Bay who's got the early lead. And down towards the inside, there's Fingal's Cave. And joining them, in between horses, Venti Valentine. Out wider, that's going to be Know It. All Audrey, that's the leading quartet. Making up some ground now is Cairo Sugar. And the trailer in the Bay Ridge, it's Sweetie. They come out of the chute and down towards the inside. Fingal's Cave has got a nose in front. Pace pressure towards the outside here from Bustin Bay, who's three wide. In between horses, there's Venti Valentine. It's progressing three across the racetrack in a pretty easy opening quarter of 23.30 for that opening quarter mile. Saving ground to the inside is going to be Cairo Sugar. Know-it-all Audrey is now tucked to the inside here of Bustin Bay. It's three quarters of length off that one. And Sweetie starts a rally from the back. They're tightly bunched, three lengths to cover them all. And they've got a half mile left to go and they turn it up up front 46.52 for the half mile time to the inside it's Fingal's Cave Venti Valentine is now fully extended here from second Bustin Bay is trying to re-emerge here on the outside Sweetie is under a full drive having a check there waiting for him as Cairo Sugar is now the trailer got passed by know-it-all Audrey who's battling on for fourth but still in hand Jose Lescano and Fingal's Cave at the top of the stretch. It's Fingal's Cave who's trying to put him away here in the Bay Ridge. And there is Fingal's Cave is now up by two. Down towards the inside, it's know-it-all Audrey Venti. Valentine continues to chase Cairo Sugar from the back with Bustin Bay. Sweetie is the trailer approaching the final 16th. Fingal's Cave in the center of the racetrack is much the best. It's all Fingal's Cave. Fingal's Cave will win impressively. In the Bay Ridge, it's Fingal's Cave over Venti Valentine with second. Cairo Sugar up late for third over Bustin Bay in one minute, 37.45 seconds. Very impressive return to the races, Bob, for the New York-bred Fingal's Cave and uh, all of those reasons to think that she didn't have to run a big race off this extended layoff. I think she's been gone over 400 days now, uh, but David Donk had her ready to roll. She wins the covers the mile in 137.45 seconds, wins by daylight, super impressive return to the races. Yeah, and, uh, you know, she was really the best um, three-year-old New York-bred filly of 2022, like you alluded to, and that effort, the Raven run, I mean, she, like you said, she pretty much gave away her chance to win the race at the start. 
But when she got going, um, she chased home an extremely good filly in Wicked Halo, multiple graded stakes winner, trained by Stephen Asmussen, who's now 9 for 18 lifetime and won the the sprint stake at Churchill. I can't remember the name of that a few weeks ago. Just a really, really nice filly who actually Wicked Halo ran third in the Breeders' Cup uh, filly and mare um, sprint behind Goodnight Olive in 2022 after beating Fingal's Cave. So Fingal's Cave really, when she left the game, she had to have been one of the top 10 uh, female sprinters in the country on dirt. Um, so 400-plus days off. She came out of the Raven Run reportedly. She had some minor bruising. Then as they tried to get her back to the races throughout the course of the year, she kept having um, minor problems with her feet. Excellent to see uh, David Donk, uh, his his uh, patience rewarded here. Uh, like you said, incredibly frustrating uh, meet. He was one for 50. This is obviously the star of the show, Fingal's Clay Cave, a four-year-old filly by Carpe Diem. Like you said, now five for six. Very talented horse, great win habit, incredibly professional. And for a horse to do this against a good field, I mean, Venti Valentine won this race by three and three quarters uh, last year and just finished third behind Dr. B the other day in the Gopher Juan going a mile and, and on a very similar racetrack, a sealed mud. And then know-it-all Audrey, the sixth horse in here, is a, is a wet track specialist. She's seven for 16 at Aqueduct. She's by Shackelford out of Midnight Loot. Mayor Oscar Barrera had been thrilled when he woke up this morning and saw the rain and knew he was going to get a sealed track. So she beat two really nice wet track horses here. And did it with a palm. I mean, I, I think she's a, a filly to put in your stable and uh, look forward to seeing her race because she's incredibly competitive and it's great to have her back for uh, not only for the Donk Barn, but just uh, fans of New York bread racing in general. I'll tell you what, Bob, this is a tough decision they have because she's a really good filly. I think she's almost unbeatable if she faces New York breads. But she's good enough and she's proven that she doesn't have to stick with state breads to be successful. If you owned Fingal's Cave or were one of the decision makers, where would you be leaning? I mean, the money's so good staying with state breads, but you have so many options if you go against open company. No, I think she's just got so many opportunities. I mean, I would, I would obviously lean towards... I mean, you know, she's been making up for lost time. Again, she costs $75,000, so she's already paid for herself. I'd campaign her against New York breads until until you had her cherry ripe, and then there'll be great opportunities uh, for her throughout the course of the year. I mean, one thing I would do was I would, I'd, I would duck Goodnight Olive um, and, and hope to be in the starting gate for the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint uh, next year at at Del Mar, and then have that be the first time you face Goodnight Olive because she looks pretty in invincible in the division. But there's no shame in being in the top half dozen and winning half a million against New York breads, and I think she's got the potential to do that. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+. Plus. Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, 
Jeff Siegel is going to join us live here on the First Bet Racing Show. He's out in Southern California. We'll be back in about three minutes. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to or hit rewind. Like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash. Fantastic. Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the wasps. You have the power to take control of pre-diabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. We gather together in communities across the nation to remember and honor, to celebrate and support, to light the night. Join us as we lift our lanterns high in order to move toward a world free of blood cancers. Join us as we light the night for a loved one. Join us. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Our mission is to cure leukemia, lymphoma, Hodgkin's disease, and myeloma. Our aim is to improve the quality of life of patients and their families. Join us. We are LLS, and when we walk, cancer runs. Join your community and help bring light to the darkness of cancer. Join us as we light the night. Find your local event at lightthenight.org. That's lightthenight.org. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba, please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Want to get the latest HRRN content directly on your computer or mobile device? Then subscribe to our podcast using the Podbean app or Apple Podcasts. Just go to hrrn.podbean.com on your computer and click follow or download the Podbean app and search HRRN. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and listen to our latest episodes anytime. Don't miss a thing. Subscribe to our podcasts today. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. They're at the top of the stretch, Hijazi at Speedboat Beach. Speedboat Beach has another gear and opens up a length on Hijazi at the eighth pole. Four more to Giant Mischief and Damon's Mound. It's Speedboat Beach and Flavian Pratt. Hijazi trying hard, but Speedboat Beach has won the Malibu decisively by two lengths over Hijazi. Giant Mischief was third, then Damon's Mound and a photo between Fort Bragg and Ray's Cave. Speedboat Beach sizzles home in 121.70 seconds. Welcome back. 
First Bet Racing Show here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, folks, racing is back and in full swing at the Great Race Place. Santa Anita Park bringing everyone's favorite turf wager, the all-turf pick three, back for the classic meet. The special wager covers the last three races on Santa Anita's card every racing day. When you wager at least $100 or more on the Santa Anita all-turf pick three with First Bet, you'll get a $20 bonus. It's just that easy. Well, that, of course, was the voice of Frank Miramati on opening day at Santa Anita, the traditional opening day feature. Grade one Malibu stakes for the three-year-old sprinting seven furlongs, won by the Bob Baffert trainee Speedboat Beach. And pleased to be joined now by a gentleman who's seen a whole lot of Malibus during his lifetime, Jeff Siegel, who is, of course, a renowned handicapper from Southern California. And you can see him and read all of his stuff on XBTV, First Bet, as well as Express Bet. Jeff? Thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, it's good. I've got a couple of days off after opening day, which was exciting. We'll be back at it Friday. Uh, so uh, that's tomorrow, right? I, I lose that time of the, the lose track of the dates, too. You know, I'm just here handicapping, trying to figure out what day I'm doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that was a good opening day. We, we had a good time. All right. Uh, well, Speedboat Beach was good. Six graded stakes on opening day, of course, highlighted by the Malibu and uh, Speedboat Beach Hijazi uh, completing a Bob Baffert trained exacta. Uh, so Speedboat Beach is an interesting runner. Of course, we saw him run in the Breeders' Cup Sprint uh, just a month and a half ago. But he's a horse that not a lot of people around the country know about because he's pretty lightly raced and he's only run in Southern California. So what do we make of this win in the Malibu? Is he really getting good or... Did he find the right bunch to run against? Well, you know, he's always been good. Uh, it's not like a horse that was kind of running average races and then all of a sudden started to improve. This horse earned a 104 buyer number when he broke his maiden as a two-year-old in September at Del Mar. Um, so he's always been well-regarded. He came out of that race, won a race called the Speakeasy. And then he was uh, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint at Caneland last year. Didn't run that well at all. Um, put away uh and he's a horse that uh, is pretty versatile he, you think of him as being a sprinter and he is but uh, he actually has won a distance race he won a mile race as a two-year-old a cecil b de mill on grass at del mar and he's got a pedigree that would suggest he'll go on so uh seven eighths of a mile i thought it was was good for him he, he reached back and found something extra when hijazi a stablemate came to him and although I think the plan is to keep him around one turn, you know, maybe he's a Met Mile type of horse, I don't know, but uh, I think he would be really good uh, over a mile, uh, too. So there's some options here for Bob, and uh, with a Colt like him, he's only had uh, six starts. Uh, there's a lot of upside at the end of his four-year-old season. Would you guess that they will keep him on dirt going forward? It looked like they tried to... They were they, they either thought they had a turf horse to start out with or were trying to get him to be a turf horse, but speed figure-wise, he looks like he's clearly better on dirt. Well, and not only that, but if you've got an option to run, of a, with a horse that might be as good on dirt as he is on turf, you sick the dirt, don't you? I mean, there's a lot more races and a lot less competition if you can do that. I mean, everybody's got grass horses, but dirt horses like Speedboat Beach are, are few and far between. So I think Bob will keep him on the dirt, and they also tend to have a lot smaller fields, too. You know, So uh, it'll, he'll, he'll ship this horse around if he has to to find the right spot. Um, he can handle an off-track. He ran really well in his comeback in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship uh, right behind Dr. 
Chival. Uh, so that was a good race. Uh, so he can handle any surface. He can sprint. He's already won two turns. So, man, there's a, there's a I don't know how far he'll go farther than a mile, but he'll go that far. And uh, I, saw, I, I think he's had a chance to make some serious money uh, next year uh, as a four-year-old. As I mentioned, there were six stakes in all on opening day, the first of which was uh, the Grade 2 San Gabriel. And we saw a horse who just simply may be the best turf horse on the West Coast right now, Easter, who, of course, shipped over from Europe and started his career on this side of the pond over on the East Coast. But he has really found a home out in Southern California the last couple of starts. You know, you mentioned that he might be the best turf horse in the West Coast, and there's not a doubt in my mind that he is. I'm not sure, though, that he's not one of the best maybe in the entire North America right now, not counting whatever Euros might ship over. But, boy, is he good. And he wins his races. He, he's, he's a stretch runner. Um, but he's one of these kind of horses that can accelerate so quickly that even if there's a slow pace, which there was in the San Gabriel, it doesn't phase him at all. I mean, uh, he's just as affected, uh, effective at a mile and an eighth as he is in a mile. In the San Gabriel, they went 24-3, and 3 He's dead last. He puts all of his acceleration, all of his run from the quarter pole to the wire, circled the pack, coming against the grain. Wind's going away with something left. The leader went the last uh, three-eighths of a mile and 35 flats. So you can imagine how fast he came uh, and losing ground in doing so. Uh, he is exceptional, and, and I'm not seeing any – Buddy around here that can touch him. Uh, again, uh, I don't know how uh, creative Phil D'Amato is going to get with a gelding. The idea is to you know keep gelding sound and try to stretch their career around. There's nothing, you know, he's run, he's run 18 times, but um, he's really never been better. So, and he's obviously much better here than he was in France. So, I, I think the sky's the limit, at least around uh, in North America, regardless of what Phil wants to do with him uh, for this French bred gelding Easter. He was written by Antonio Frazu, who a lot of people in California are, are familiar with. He obviously won a lot of races in Northern California and has had success thus far in Southern California. But I think the East Coast fans may not recognize the name very easily. What have been your impressions of watching Antonio Frazu down in Southern California? Very versatile. Uh, can ride any kind of horse. Very strong. Very aggressive through the lane. Uh, and aggressive uh, throughout all of his races, even though he you know, he's he's a uh, Italian and he's, he, you know, rode in Europe and obviously likes to set back and make a run. And But I found him to be um, uh, an exceptional turf rider, but he can handle, he can ride dirt as well. And he's going to get a lot of play here from guys who maybe would like to ride, um, you know, Pratt or the Tory or, you know, whoever else uh, that is in fashion. And they may have to, quote, unquote, settle uh, for Frasu, but they're not settling for anybody. This guy's as good as they come. And uh, I know that Phil D'Amato is going to use him on a lot of his grass horses, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, he's going to have a lot of winners riding for Phil on turf. Speaking with Jeff Siegel from XBTV, Express Bet and First Bet, talking about the opening day stakes out at Santa Anita. The second of the stakes on opening day was the grade one American Oaks. I don't know what it is, Jeff. Uh, I keep trying to beat Anna Set, thinking that she's really good but not spectacular, but all she does is keep winning. Well, <laughs> she does that really well, too, you know. Um, she They tried her in against older horses in the Rodeo Drive, and that was a really good uh, import that beat her. 
and she ran well that day. And then in her last race, going a mile, uh, the uh, the leader got loose on the lead and uh, was was just too short for her. But I think going a mile and an eighth, mile and a quarter, she can run with just about anybody around right now. Um, and um, I know that Leonard Powell, who trains her, is of the opinion that she runs best fresh. So we're not going to see her for a while. We might not even see her to the to the gamely, and that that race isn't until the spring. But there's plenty of races for her throughout the year, so he doesn't have to get, you know, too aggressive with her and uh, try to hit the Breeders' Cup. I think next year at Del Mar, we know she likes Del Mar because she won the Del Mar Oaks this year. Um, tremendous turn of foot. Uh, and again, when she fires her best shot, and, and that seem, certainly seems to be when there are, are uh, time in between races, um, she's she's darn good. I would suggest that you not try to start beat, stop beating uh, start beating her anymore. I mean, just uh, <laughs> concede the race unless there's a euro in there because she's going to beat anybody around here in her in her present form. Yeah, she's certainly in great form, and she just barely, basically never runs a bad race, and most of the races she crosses the wire on top. Uh, one of the more intriguing stakes of the afternoon was uh, a very short field in the grade two San Antonio. Six were entered, five ran, and it was the North American debut of Subsanador, who was uh, a, a really a, a blitz down in South America and shipped up and was in John Sadler's care and, uh, by all accounts, had been working pretty well for his North American debut. He was very flat, though, with odds of 6-5. to five. You cannot say the same, though, about New Grange. New Grange ran really well. I got a great, perfect stalking trip. And let me say that this racetrack opening day was almost impossible to make up any ground on. Uh, it, 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 when I say pro speed, it doesn't mean that there were every race was one gate to wire, but if you had to come from more than four or five lengths back, forget it. You had no shot. Uh, and most of the races were one, two, two, one every step of the way. So uh, Subsanador was taken back off the pace because that's the way John Sadler had been training him. He'd been breaking him off other horses and then allowing him to come get them. Um, but I watched his races in South America, and quite frankly, he was the kind of horse that really wanted to get it on early. He was a miler down there, and he was always part of the pace, if not on the lead, setting fast fractions. And I think what happened here is he was asked to do something that he probably doesn't really want to do, and that is sit off the pace and make a run. They didn't go that fast, 23-1, flat. That's really easy for Subsanador, or it should have been. Now, he didn't break all that well, and Pratt decided that rather than rush him off his feet, and he thought, well, you know, I'll just sit back and make a run. So it was a combination of two things for him. Number one, he was taken out of his comfort zone by making a, a stretch runner last to five early on when he really wants to press the pace or even be on it. And then he's trying to do that over a track that you can't win that way. So under the circumstance, he finished fourth to five. That was disappointing, but he wasn't beaten all that badly. I think it's a little bit too early to give up on him. I think he's going to be just fine. As for Newgrange, I never thought of him as being any kind of grade one type horse. But again, pressing a slow fractions right off Brickyard Ride, who is more sprinter than he is router, took the lead. The second finish horse who rallied to be second actually picked it up pretty well with a horse named Mixtu, who was coming off a rather modest maiden win at Del Mar. So I'm not sure how great a race this really was. Time will tell. But, uh, you know, we don't have a whole lot of depth in the older handicap division. This is the kind of race that, if had he been in it, uh, Speedboat Beach would have gone to the front and wired the field. I'm absolutely convinced of that. All right. Uh, the 
penultimate stake on the afternoon was the grade two Mathis mile at a mile on the turf field of six went to the post there. We had a big favorite and Almendares who uh, ran well, but finished a nose behind Watsonville and Antonio Frazu. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, uh, Frazu literally lifted Watsonville to the wire. I mean, he, uh, he was, trying to give it up at the final stages. Amendaries had dead aim. He was right by him every step of the way. And, and Frasier literally carried Watsonville on the final 50 to, to win by a, a nose. This was a race restricted for three-year-olds, and now these horses have to challenge older horses. And it's a whole different level of competition, I think, uh, against older horses. I mean, these are, are nice horses. This was a grade two race, but... Um, these horses might be hard-pressed winning a really, really good allowance race against older horses based on my evaluation of, of the, these horses and the, uh, and the and the form of the race. Uh, we'll see. Uh, it's a big step up. It's a, you know, it's a, your comfort zone is gone when you're three-turning four, and, uh, when you, especially when you're a grass horse, because there's some tough old grass pros out here that have uh, been around the block and run just as fast, if not faster. So we'll see what happens to Watsonville now that the real world will hit him in right between the eyes after the first of the year. So what, what you're saying is if Easter runs against these horses next time out, you like Easter's chances. Uh, he might be able to beat this field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, a little bit off subject. So you were mentioning Antonio Frazu basically lifting Watsonville to the line. And when you say something like that, I think of jockeys like Lafitte Pinkai, who was in the winner's circle presenting a trophy the other day. I also think of my favorite all-time rider, Pat Valenzuela, who was in the news a couple weeks ago, sounding like he may actually be making a comeback. Is that possible? <laughs> Pat's, what, 60-some-odd years now? Um, I mean, he he's was... not as old as Perry Utes, and Perry Utes is still winning, you know, several hundred races a year. Right. Well, this this is not the first comeback. I hadn't read that, by the way. I missed that that little blurb. Well, it was um, something about the fact that he he's in the he's working horses or he's been working horses for somebody during he was there during like the the spring summer Del Mar meet and he was going to look right. at possibly uh, getting his license to ride and if they didn't allow it in California, he might think of going somewhere else. But I haven't yeah. heard anything since. Yeah, no. Well, I love Pat. I mean, uh, he's um, rode a lot of horses for me back in the day, especially when he was a bug, and even after that, of course, one with Sunday Silence and the Derby in '89. But that, you know, '89 is 35 years ago. You know, so that's a long time. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I'd like, yeah, I hope he's doing well and everything else. But uh, you mentioned, uh, or I mentioned that uh, Frasu lifted Watsonville. It certainly looked like. Watsonville was trying to give it up, and I mean, I tell you what, Fraser's strong, strong rider. He he kept busy with him, and he rode him hard, and strong, strong ride. And you out finish Pratt, you're doing something. And uh, and Al Menderes was right by him every step of the way, and could had every chance to go by and couldn't. I mean, they're nice horses, but um, again, um, the older horses, even the two other vans, the older horses, they're pretty tough, pretty salty around here. Well, they actually had back-to-back nose finishes and graded stakes to uh, close out the opening day card. That math is mile going to Watsonville. And the grade one La Brea with Juan Hernandez aboard Daddy's Ruby just narrowly holding off uh, Big Pond with Frankie DeTore and another really exciting driving finish. Yeah, Daddy's Ruby actually was my best bet of the day, and I thought he lost. And the only thought that 
the, the only hope that I had was that he'd got the nastiest of head bobs, which he did. I mean, he there was about an inch between before the wire and an inch after the wire that she had her nose in the right spot. It wasn't even an inch, whatever, maybe a quarter of an inch, maybe an eighth of an inch. I don't know, according to the uh, the, uh, the photo. But Big Pond, as unlucky as you can be, uh, ran a, maybe the best race of her career, and this was a grade one. And again, another one of these races that is restricted to three-year-old fillies, so now these Phillies have to run against older, and I don't think they're going to have much, a much better chance to win a grade one than this one. So to lose a, a grade one uh, that Big Pond did by the nastiest of noses and now have to you know, go, go against tougher older mares is, is not going to be easy to, to ever win one. But Daddy's Ruby I was coming out of an allowance race. She was speed. And that she was another one of these beneficiaries of a track that was incredibly kind to her front-running style. She was inside speed, which is another reason why I liked her. She was 6-1, to one, and uh, under any kind of normal kind of situation, track bias notwithstanding, um, you know, I, I liked her, but with the bias, uh, um, she she was very fortunate <laughs> to win that race. And uh, But she's lightly raced, and, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see uh, if she can uh, continue on. Before I let you go, Jeff, so you mentioned a few times that the, the racetrack was playing very well toward horses on the front end. Is this something where when you when these horses come back out of any of these races, you might give a little extra credit to ones that were trying to come from off the pace and maybe downgrade the ones who were who ran good races on or near the lead? Theoretically, yes. Um, but in actuality, this track always plays this way. So it's not going to be easy to find a racetrack that's going to be kind to any horse that's in the second flight or farther back, five or six lengths off the pace. And this is true whether there's uh, sprinting or routing. Um, now, the grass course is fair. That, that's fine. But the dirt is pro speed. And if you, what, you, what I see is that you have a lot of horses that run at Del Mar which is completely the opposite, by the way. Inside speed is usually death. The rally riders dominate. And people handicap the form based on Delmar sometimes, and it's the opposite. So there is a little bit of an edge, and you just have to be aware of it. And I'm not a big bias guy. I really am not. Um, but when it comes here, it's so obvious you just have to accept reality. You know, and that's just the way it is. So I'm always when I handicap Santa Anita at dirt, that's the first thing I find. Who's lone speed if there is going to be a lone speed? And does he have any kind of chance to win with the help he's going to get? And sometimes you don't have to go much farther than that. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was a fun opening day, as it always is out at Santa Anita. It's a long meet now that there is no more Hollywood Park. Uh, much the best to you, my friend, and uh, I'll be out there big cap day. Hope to see you out there, my friend. I will be looking forward to seeing you, too, Bobby. Have a good day and have a good meeting. All right, Jeff Siegel, uh, thankfully taking uh, time out of his busy schedule to join us uh, in the midst of opening week out at Santa Anita. Bob, not too many people have seen more about what's going on in Southern California racing than Jeff. It seems like he's been doing it for about 50 years or so, and uh, he provides great insight, and he's a really good handicapper. Absolutely, and um, I thought um, he made some very interesting points during that discussion, during which I remained very quiet. Um, I thought it was very interesting how he talked about Sub Sanador. Uh, it's a horse that reportedly 
um, was obviously a very hyped horse had sparkled in the in the morning workouts and uh, was bet down to four to five. A lot of people questioned that. And he gave the horse a pretty serious excuse. Um, would you agree with that excuse, or do you think that uh, Sub-Sanador was, was overhyped? Well, I guess we need to find out where he shows up next, and if he shows up somewhere that he has a chance of making the lead or pressing the pace, then maybe we'll see a different kind of race. He, I, I don't think he could have gotten the lead over Brickyard Ride if he wanted to. Brickyard Ride's a horse who makes the lead sprinting when he runs sure. in those races and opens up big leads, and they've kind of t- tried to turn him into a router. But he could have he could have probably sat second, and who knows if that would have made a difference. But as you mentioned, Jeff made a, a very interesting point about Subsanador, and we'll see where he shows up next and uh, if they try different tactics, tactics going maybe back to what uh, he apparently was doing back when he was southern, in South America. All right, yep. we are going to take a brother break. Great visit with Jeff Siegel then. We are looking for more great visits coming up. Jeremy Plonk going to join us on the other side of the break, and we are going to look forward to a lot of great stakes action coming up at several of the first bet tracks, Gulfstream, Laurel, and Santa Anita. This is the first bet racing show on HRRN. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Ironman. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Did you know half of all cats in the United States don't see a vet on a regular basis? Hi, I'm Kat Dennings, and I love cats. Like, really, really love them. Seriously. That's why I'm here to ask you to take your cat to the vet each and every year. I'm working with Royal Canin and Orphan Kitten Club in their program, Mighty Cat, the first grant program in the world to protect and care for newborn kittens. For the Take Your Cat to the Vet initiative, which encourages cat owners across the country to schedule annual vet visits. Since it's tricky to decode our cat's behavior, it is super important to collaborate with your veterinarian to uncover any potential illnesses and learn the signs that something could be wrong. As pet owners, it is our responsibility to make sure cats of all ages have a chance to live a full and happy life by providing the care they need and deserve. Visit orphankittenclub.org forward slash mighty cat to learn more. Would you know what to do in a poison emergency? Would you know whom to call? Well, the answer is poison help. 1-800-222-1222. Poison help is a 24-7 government hotline staffed by poison experts. It's free to call and available in over 100 languages. Every second counts in a poison emergency. Don't waste it wondering who to call. Save poison help in your phone today. 1-800-222-1222. Hi, this is Kurt Becker. Join me each week on the Equine Forum as I take you on a stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. 
This week, I look back at the racing career of Decidedly. Listen live on the Equine Forum every Saturday morning on Sirius 162 or XM207 or visit our website at horseracingradio.net to access the archives and enjoy past editions. It's a stroll through racing history with me, Kurt Becker, presented by Keeneland, only here on HRRN. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. As they run to the top of the stretch, 45-1 and one for the opening half mile. Obligatory is toward the back of the field here. She's last to turn in. They're at the top of the stretch with fire on time, still the target. Adios Jersey is back to second. Last Leaf is now third. Fire on time's got a kick. She's 16-1 to one and an eighth of a mile from home. Here comes the local hopeful, Mary. Quite contrary down the center. Panici has her in high all she does is win, and today she wins on the grand stage. Mary, quite contrary, going away. Colorful Mischief was up for second. Third fire on time, then our Adios jersey. The heavy favorite obligatory never fired in 123 and 3. That was Pete Aiello on the call earlier in 2023. The grade 2 inside information during the last championship meet at Gulfstream Park won by Mary quite contrary and she will try to get the job done in the Ram Park this coming Saturday here at Gulfstream Park welcome back to the first bet racing show here on HRRN Bobby Newman Bob Nastanovich folks download the first bet app on your iPhone or visit first.com forward slash bet to sign up and play the races sign up with the promo code bet HRRN that's no spaces B-E-T H-R-R-N, to receive a $10 free bet plus a 100% deposit match up to $150 on your first deposit within 14 days of signing up. All right, we talked a lot about what happened over the last week or so around the country. Let's find out what's happening this coming weekend. We bring our good friend Jeremy Plonk, editor-in-chief for Express Bet and a guy who loves to handicap the races. Jeremy, we've got a lot of great races uh, around the country, especially at first tracks this Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a big weekend, you know. It's one weekend left in 2023, and it's going to go out with a bang. So, you know, this is a fun time of year. If you're on the East Coast, they get everything in before dark. Everything's kind of compressed, you know. By by 4.30 on a Saturday, you're kind of wiping your hands of the East Coast races. And, and even the West Coast tracks are a little bit earlier. So I, I like this time of year from a handicapping standpoint that things get over a little bit sooner and it's a compressed schedule. And we get all these great races right on top of each other. Well, we'd love to discuss all of these first track race stakes that are coming up Saturday. Some of them are stakes that we're not even going to have time to talk about during our weekend stakes preview. So I'm glad we're getting a ta- chance to talk with you about them today. But let's start with the four bagger at Gulfstream Park. They got another four race, sa- four stake race Saturday coming up this Saturday. And the first of those stakes is the $125,000 rampart for the Phillies and Mares going the one-turn mile on the main track. Weather is supposed to be very good in South Florida this weekend, uh, completely opposite of what it is today. We've got a field of six going in the rampart, but two of them really going to dominate the wagering. Number three, Mary Quite Contrary, and number six, Nostalgic. Yeah, Mary Quite Contrary is the defending champ, as your listeners heard there, and she's just dominant at Gulfstream, right? With six wins, two seconds from eight starts. 
He's a dead closer, though. Comes from way off the pace. So if you're looking for an upset in these kind of situations, to me, when the best horse in the race has a confirmed running style, you're looking to do something opposite, right? Because if this race sets up for a closer, the best horse gets the best, the right kind of setup. They're probably not going to beat Mary Quite Contrary. So if you're going to beat her, it's probably going to come with a you know a horse near the front. And because Nostalgic is the other horse in this race, who's you know the the top consideration in here, the classic horse coming from Kentucky and New York for Bill Mott. She's also a horse who comes from a little bit off the pace. So I wouldn't necessarily think that the second choice in here is going to be the play because she's going to have the same running style. If it sets up well for Mary quite contrary, she probably won't give up that advantage. So for me, if you're going to try to beat Mary in here, you try to do it with the horse with some speed. I'm uh, I'm in raw in here also is coming out of the cotillion, but a horse who really doesn't have a lot of early pace about her. I think dreaming of snow down on the inside is interesting. A three-year-old filly, you're going to need to get some value on her on the step up in class, but she's inside speed under Javier Castellano. And again, if you're going to try to beat the favorite in here, who I don't have any real holes to punch in Mary Quite Contrary, uh, but if you're going to try to beat her, I think you do it with a differing running style. And so Dreaming of Snow is one who can maybe get the lead from the rail. Tampa Bay's for Gerald Bennett and, you know, bullet workout last out uh, in December 20th at Tampa for this. I I thought this one had an interesting shot, but you've got to get some value to beat two good horses. If you're going to beat Mary Contrary and beat a good Bill Mott and Irish shipper, uh, you better get about eight to one or so on Dreaming of Snow if you're going to get interested. Okay. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Uh, Wonderful. Good. Uh, Mary Quite Contrary, obviously, as you mentioned, is a specialist here. She's definitely the class of the race. She's grade one place behind Goodnight Olive at Keeneland. Um, just a fantastic uh, filly. It's kind of interesting to me that uh, her owner breeder, Rodney Lundock, who I understand is a veterinarian, is using Eddie Place as the fourth different trainer yeah. um, for her 12th career start. Um, he must be a fairly mercurial uh, gentleman. Uh, my yeah. question uh, to you is, if you're Safi Osborne, you've got two of the six fillies in here. You mentioned Amonra, the four. The other one is Rosie's Halo. And they both are somewhat versatile but uh, tend to prefer to come off the pl- uh, off the pace. Uh, what would you give uh, as your instructions if you're Safi Joseph to the four? Amonra, the jockey, is Edgar Zayas, and, and uh, Rosie's Halo is ridden by uh, Jose Ortiz. Yeah, I would think Iman is going to be the one that shows a little bit more speed of the two. You know, if you go back in the past performances, you'll see some of those races. You know, last time it parked in the Cotillion, it was two turns, so maybe they're trying to, you know, throttle down a little bit to get the distance. At Charlestown, that's a two-turn race going seven furlongs there on the bull ring, and it was a wet track that day. Prior to that was a two-turn race uh, at Prairie Meadows. So maybe if you just say, look, this is a one-turn race, Let's go. We've got to send one of the two, right? And I think Iman Ra probably has a little bit more natural speed than what Rosie's Halo has. So I would guess of those two that they're probably going to send Iman Ra towards the front a little bit more. She's a three-year-old taking on elders, and that's not a big deal this time of year, obviously. In a, in a couple of days, they're going to be four, and nobody's even going to make mention of that. But when you're a three-year-old who's never faced elders like Iman Ra is, it is a step up in class because it was restricted company before, right? Now you're taking on elders and all comers, so there's not that kind of, you know, uh, the double niche, if you will, just fillies, just three-year-olds. Now they're taking on Phillies and Mares and Elders. So I think Iman Ra has got a tougher class test uh, than, say, Dreaming of Snow, who's taken on Elders in the last few races. And has already shown that she can run with older horses. So among the three-year-olds, I'd like to see one that's already had some experience going three and up. Not that that makes them a better horse. It just proves that they can kind of 
take on the elders in, in, in terms of the class, you know, that they weren't, because some of these times you get three-year-old Philly races, especially on the turf. This is just the general handicapping uh, deal. You get three-year-old Phillies on the turf. That is such a subset of a subset that those horses who look great on paper, a lot of times don't become the best of the Philly and Mare turf division later on, because those restrictions, there's just not that many great three-year-old Phillies on the grass. And, and so in this kind of situation, I'll take one that's got a chance to uh, run back against older horses again and has already proved to run well against elders. So I, I don't have a strong opinion beating Mary quite contrarian here, though. Uh, you mentioned the owner. Yeah, four different trainers this since April uh, with a filly who just, uh, you know, continues to run well. I mean, he changes trainers more than oil changes with his car, I think. Yeah, definitely. That I found that to be uh, rather eye-popping with such an excellent uh, filly who's, who's done well for just about everybody who's trained her. Uh, Riley Mott, who's off to a wonderful start, he's got one in here uh, competing against his uh, dad, of course, who trains Nostalgic. He's got Unifying in here, who's a, sprint, a sprinter trying to stretch out. If you're uh, Irad Ortiz and Riley Mott, do you try to uh, steal it on the front end and get uh, control of the pace and, and get out? It's a first of all, the morning line on the one horse seems a little silly, thirty to one, because uh, she looks like she has rail speed. If you're uh, Irad Ortiz, do you want to seize command or do you want to just stalk the one? Well, I think those are the two to go. I guess you play the break and see what uh, Javier Castellano wants to do with the one. But that's the way I looked at the races. The two most likely pace setters in here are the one and the two, and I think that makes them the two most likely upsetters if you're going to beat the come from behind Mary quite contrary. Unifying, again, is a three-year-old filly who hasn't faced elders yet, and that's why I just think I think we're going to get a better price on Dreaming of Snow and the fact that she took on older horses uh, fillies and mares last time in the allowance ranks at Tampa. Uh, that's kind of why I gave her the edge in here. I'm price shopping a little bit, but it's definitely a race shape handicapping, you know, and, and, and if you don't like the one and you do like the two, I mean, I could certainly make the case and you get Irad, you know, and Riley's horses are running here uh, to start the championship meet at Gulfstream. So I'd have no argument taking the one or the two in here if you wanted to try to beat the three. Certainly the kind that you want to look at for an exact If you like Mary quite contrary and you think she's going to get up and win the race, a lot of times one of the speed horses will hold on for a share of it. So, you know, 3-1, 3-2 in the exact is not necessarily a bad place to go. I don't have any big knocks on Nostalgic, though. I mean, you just can't play two favorites. I can't. That's not my kind of game. Uh, I can't play the three with the six in tandem, and I can't see the three not running her race. You know, she just she just does at Gulfstream, right? Eight for eight in the exact. Jeremy, race eight on the card Saturday is the grade three Swanee River for the Phillies and Mares going one mile on the turf. Looks pretty evenly matched field of 10 on paper. Three of them pretty low on the morning line. You have number one, Saffron Moon for Chad Brown. The four, full count Felicia for Brittany Russell, as well as number nine, Fast as Flight for Brian Lynch. Yeah, this is a, you know, a good group in here and evenly matched, but there's not a lot of experience at Gulfstream. Ten horses in the field have combined to run at Gulfstream 11 times, and, and three of them have local wins, one win apiece. So which horse is going to take to the course, right? We don't necessarily have like a specialist like we saw with Mary Quite Contrary on the main track. So we don't really know who's going to shape up here and, and take to the track as well. Saffron Moon is a horse who's never run at Gulfstream, but certainly the last race in the Cardinal uh, second place finish behind Star Fortress, who just freaked that day uh, coming in from Europe. The third place finisher in that race, the Cardinal Lovely Princess, came back last week to win the Blushing KD uh, at Fairgrounds. So Saffron Moon, the one obviously coming out of a good race, and Chad Brown in a Philly and Mare turf race. I mean, you don't really have to dig a whole lot deeper than that. 
uh, to find good reason. Tyler Gaffley on writing. So Saffron Moon with an inside post on the turf mile makes a lot of sense in here. Uh, will be difficult. I thought the seven Wallachie is one who I think has a little bit of intrigue for me. This horse in two times in stakes races has caught really slow paces. At Aqueduct, it was 48-3 and three to the half. At Pimlico, on the all-along back in September, they ran 6-1-12. and one twelve. Didn't have any pace to chase. It's a comfort-behind type, I think, uh, on her best game. And she might get a little bit more pace in here. She should be better than what her record is, two for eight lifetime. She's by Tappet. And uh, the second dam is Seely Hill. You remember her as one of the greats in Canada and ran big time in the U.S. on the turf here in the U.S. Uh, there's a lot of pedigree in here. Grand Motions horses usually get better as they go along in their career. She doesn't run a lot, you know, end of her four-year-old year and just eight starts. So I thought Wallachia was kind of interesting in here. She has run against Saffron Moon and Full Count Felicia. Uh, and ran seconds to those in the past. But, again, I'm hoping there's some pace in here because some of the outside horses have some speed in here and are going to have to go. Sister Luann, the eight, and fastest flight, the nine, are horses who are drawn pretty wide here for a turf mile with a short run into the turn. And maybe they'll have to send a little bit more from the outside and make this a faster pace than what, uh, you know, maybe it looks on paper. Wallachie is going to need some pace help. She didn't get that in her two stakes races previously. So, I gave her a little edge in here, but this is another one where I'm going to want a price. If I don't get the price, uh, then Saffron Moon makes a lot of sense as a logical horse at a lower set of odds. Yeah, a couple of things. Accomplished girl in here who's a very fast horse, so always been sprinting, uh, mm-hmm. again, from Safi Joseph's barn. Uh, pretty crazy work tab, 5'8s and 56 and 4, and then recently on uh, Christmas Eve, 5 and 58. She's mm-hmm. sharp. She's going to stretch out. In your mind, do you feel that that ensures a hot pace to benefit the likes of Saffron Moon and Full Count Felicia? Because Saffron yeah. Moon, in fairness to her, she bumped into a really nice, uh, pretty exciting daughter of See the Stars last time at Churchill and Star Fortress. Um, what do you think? Of, what do you think uh, the the hopes are for Accomplished Squirrel to get out there and, and relax on the front end and control the pace, or 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 do you look at her as just a horse that's going to ensure a rapid fire pace? Well, she's a real X factor, right? Wire to wire winner of the Prescott Masters. She's cross entered on uh, New Year's Eve on Sunday. I guess that's Sunday, right? Yeah, the thirty oh, first in the Avondancia Stakes, and that's a five furlong turf sprint. Now, you would normally think, okay, if you're entered two days in a row, they typically go that second day. But she yep. threw the twelve hole. Uh, she's in the far outside draw in the Avondancia, so. They may not want to run in that spot. They might just say, you know what, we're better off here stretching out and seeing what happens over the course of the mile because they may not want to run out of the 12-hole sprinting five furlongs at Gulfstream. So, uh, yeah, where she ends up is going to make a big difference in this race. Should have really mentioned her off the top in terms of that pace. If she is part of the pace, right, she's absolutely sprint speed. And then the eight and the nine are kind of drawn wide with some early pace and and, and, and will have to use a little bit. So that can really make this hotter and hotter. And that's that's again. That's why I thought Wallachie and maybe from off the pace with Johnny V uh, was interesting in here a little bit. But yeah, I, I think this race is going to have a fairly hot pace with or without accomplished girl. With her, it's going to be very hot. Race ten on the card is the Grade Three Harlan's Holiday. It's the major local prep for the Pegasus World Cup. Three-year-olds and up going a mile and a sixteenth on the main track. Big field of eleven, and we know that Safi Joseph's O'Connor is using this race as a prep to get to the Pegasus, but he sure, lo- sure looked good finally getting back to the winner's circle in the Fayette last time out. 
He did. That was a pretty decent uh, edition of the Fayette, but not the strongest one we've seen. Uh, some other years, that race has come up a little bit tougher, but O'Connor's classic. You talk coming out of the Fayette, the Woodward, the Charlestown Classic. Uh, won this, our fourth in this race last year behind stablemate Skippy Longstocking. So, uh, Safi ran 1-4 in this race last year. O'Connor looks solid to me. There's no real knock. This is a come-from-behind horse. But the pace is the question in here. We talked about a hot pace perhaps in the previous stakes that we reviewed. This Harlan's Holiday does not look like there's a lot of speed in the race. And remember, a mile and a 16th race at Gulfstream finishes at the 16th pole finish line. So you want to be in the mix, and you kind of want to be towards the inside as well because a very short run to the first turn uh, in mile and 16th races here as well. So I like inside speed in these kinds of races at Gulfstream, and O'Connor's probably going to go favored in this particular spot. And as a horse who's going to be coming from outside or coming uh, from off the pace towards the outside of the track, giving some ground. So maybe vulnerable, but there's no real knock on the form. The horse looks solid. Nothing wrong with uh, uh, anybody who likes O'Connor in this particular spot. I just thought maybe some of the two inside horses were interesting to me. WNL, the one. Uh, coming off a good comeback win at Keeneland in a lounge company. I didn't like the horse at all that day. I thought this is a two-year-old that really just, you know, uh, went to the wayside to begin the three-year-old year. And I thought, eh, forget about him. This was an early developing two-year-old. And then I was really impressed by his run during the fall meet at Keeneland in a lounge company. I didn't think he had a shot that day on the comeback. And he ran great. So I think W&L back with uh, Luis Saez, the guy who's won this race three of the last four years. Uh, he's an aggressive jockey early. I think this horse's best races in the Remsen and last time out in the Lounge Company was forwardly placed. I think they'll come out of there hustling and try to get position. So I think WNL is interested from the one hole. And then New York traffic, the two, is the sprinter stretching out. This horse has run all one-turn races of late. Hasn't gone two turns since 2021 in the Charlestown Classic, but it was three turns. Uh, but this is a horse who's interesting, I think, with some inside speed as well. You know, Javier Castellano gets him out of the gate and gets him into a race. So I thought the one and the two were both kind of interesting in here. W&L, New York traffic uh, uh, in a race where there's some other horses that are probably going to take more attention. O'Connor's going to get bet. I think Signator is going to get bet for Suge coming off a back-to-back win. But Signator is another one coming from off the pace. We'll see. Uh, Miles D is a horse who'll probably get bet a little bit. Probably not as much now that the barn change from Amador Sanchez now takes over. Chad Brown had been the previous trainer. Uh, Sanchez uh, took this horse to Delta Downs and ran in the Delta Mile last night. Probably you're going to get a little more value if you like Miles D in this race than had Chad still been the trainer, obviously, uh, because you're probably looking at a big money rider named Trainer. Uh, you're probably going to get close to double the price on Miles D just from the barn change, and that Leonel Reyes will be riding. Fourth and final of the stakes race on the Gulfstream card Saturday is race 11, the grade two Fort Lauderdale for three-year-olds and up going a mile and an eighth on the grass. Another nice field, 10 of them going to post. I don't know if you like the horse or not, but I was surprised, Jeremy, that number nine running B was the morning line favorite at two to one. Well, it's Chad and I read, right? And that's going to draw a lot of attention. And, and that's kind of what we were talking about with Miles D in, in reverse, right? But yeah, my, this horse coming off back-to-back wins, but hasn't taken on this kind of competition in the past. I like the last race, though. I mean, you know, one ten and 3 were the splits uh, for the first six furlongs going to mile and 16th at Aqueduct and just kept going. You know, this horse opened up despite going fast fraction. So there's a lot to like about running B in this particular spot because I think the 4 and this 9 probably control the pace in here. Main event, the 4 under Castellano and the 9 running B. Those two are going to take away a lot of variables, right? Turf 
races, mile and an eighth like this, trip's going to be important with a field of 10. You don't have to worry about the variables so much with the four and the nine. You know they're going to get out there. They're going to be one or two lengths off the rail each, you know, depending who goes and who sits. And, uh, you know, take your chances from there. Uh, but no value in that, right? I mean, it's Irad and Chad. You're going to get an underlay price. So if you want to shop around a little bit in here, uh, you certainly could. These horses may be prepping for the Pegasus World Cup turf uh, with a big effort in here. you got two Chad Browns, two Todd Pleasures, and two Mike Makers. So oh, yeah. uh, it's kind of a typical South Florida race, right? Very much. Six of the ten uh, from three of those big barns. Uh, Grand Sonata, the two is a horse who's just underachieved. He was... I thought when he was the beginning of his three-year-old year in the spring at Gulfstream that he was like the best three-year-old turfer of 2022. Uh, he had won a couple good races down at Gulfstream, and then he just never has kind of gotten back to that level. Maybe a wake-up call back at Gulfstream, but he's only won one of his last 12. So it's Pletcher and Gaffleone. You're going to get a good post draw there, and he's not a dead closer. So there's two speed horses, the four and nine clear off. Maybe Grand Sonata can kind of hit uh, sit third or fourth under Tyler and get a good trip and, and maybe be the one in here. I don't have a super strong opinion in this race, though. All right, we are going to take a break. We'd love you to stick around, Jeremy, because we got sure. two stakes on the Saturday card at Santa Anita, two stakes on the Saturday card at Laurel. We'll talk about those on the other side of the commercial break. This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Snarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. At Shriners Hospitals for Children, there are a million reasons to share love. My buddy Caleb is one of them. This is his story. Hi, I'm Caleb, and this is my story. I was born with osteogenesis imperfecta, or riddle bone disease. I have broken my bones almost 200 times, and I have had 11 surgeries. But I didn't let that stop me. I love to bike ride, climb, race, and I'm learning how to stand and walk. Well, I can only do all of this because of generous people like you and Shriners Hospitals for Children. There are a million reasons to share love, but you only need one. Caleb is one reason. To learn how you can share love, visit loveshriners.org. Thank you. Right now, we all might feel a little disconnected. For seniors living alone with smaller social circles, feelings of loneliness and isolation can feel overwhelming. But there's something we can all do to help. 
Connect with your older loved one virtually and have the conversation of a lifetime with StoryCorps Connect. Anyone can conduct an interview, and every interview will be archived at the Library of Congress, becoming part of American history. Connect, honor, share at StoryCorpsConnect.org slash AARP. A message from AARP, StoryCorps, and the Ad Council. Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Shug McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk, the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Tio Magico puts his nostrils in front at the top of the stretch. Two lengths back, Warren C. Easter on the outside of them. Missed the cut, has been covered up, and is having a sweet trip. And he's now coming after Tio Magico as Easter lengthens stride with huge momentum in the middle of the race course. And Easter and Antonio Fresu. Three straight stakes victories. This time it's the San Gabriel. Missed the cut, was a very good second. Tio Magico third, and Warren C. finish fourth. Welcome back. First Bet Racing Show here on HRRN. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, that, of course, the voice of Frank Miramati, calling last Saturday's, or rather last Tuesday's, San Gabriel won by Easter, his third straight win and his second straight in Southern California. Folks, 2023 is going out with a bang. First Bet is giving your cash back up to $10 each time the horse you bet to win in 16 stakes races across first tracks at Gulfstream, Laurel, and Santa Anita, Comes in second or third from Friday, December 29th through Monday, January 1st. See a full list of the promotional races in the First Bet app. Pleased to be joined once again by Jeremy Plonk. He's the editor-in-chief at Express Bet and uh, loves to handicap the races uh, on a daily basis. A lot of great stakes to look at this weekend, Jeremy. So let's dive into the two at Santa Anita, the two big stakes there, and the two at Laurel on Saturday. Now, caveat is... They're supposed to get rain on Saturday at Santa Anita. And the two stakes, which go as races one and three, by the way, are both scheduled for the turf. It's supposed to rain from basically 1 a.m. Saturday morning all the way until about 1 p.m. that afternoon. So the chances of these races being on the turf, I would say, is less than 50-50. But we do get the Joe Hernandez, a grade two event, uh, supposedly for three-year-olds and up, running uh, down the hillside turf course at about six and a half furlongs. 13 were entered. I mean, tw- if, if the race stays on the turf, 12 will run. If a race comes off the turf, I'm guessing we'll have some scratches. Yeah, and, you know, these are always tough races to look at in advance. And when you look at the body of this field, three horses in here are really dirt speed horses, you know. So are they Forbidden Kingdom, Peaceful Waters, and then also Tahoe Sunrise for Bob Baffert? Are these horses here for the turf sprint? Are they here as essentially unofficial main track onlys, right? Are they are they looking at a race that could potentially come off the turf and be a 200 grander, uh, whereas dirt horses, they would have a major advantage. So it's a difficult handicapping uh, task in that regard. If it does come to the main track, they're obviously the three main players, right? Forbidden Kingdom, so accomplished on the dirt, which has won multiple stakes races in Southern California on the main track. 
Uh, Peaceful Waters is a horse who's won on the main at Keeneland, uh, very competitive at Saratoga, winner on the main there as well. Back one with Al Stahl, now a John Sadler trainee. And then Tahoe Sunrise is an American feral colt for Bob Baffert, who's never seen the turf uh, in three starts, uh, dead heat winner of the shared belief stakes. So there's plenty of dirt for him if this race comes in the dirt. It becomes a much less appealing race from a gambling standpoint. Uh, the field size will be reduced greatly, obviously, uh, with scratches. And then those three would be really particular standouts. Forbidden Kingdom and Tahoe Sunrise particularly uh, would be extremely difficult uh, if this race comes to the main track. So uh, I guess from our handicapping standpoint, what do you want to do? Dream it's on turf? Well, I think you, you got to wait. Either way, <laughs> do, 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 give, you can give us a selection for turf if you want. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, eventually these horses will run down the hill at some point, just may not mm-hmm. be this Saturday. Yeah. I thought the one lucky score, I'm not wild about inside post down the hill. Outside's actually a better place to be down the hill at Santa Anita. Uh, you know, the way they kind of do the S down the hill and things like that, inside, outside. So Lucky Score may not get a great trip, but I really like the ability to close by this one, and I like the company lines, right? I mean, the Woodbine Mile getting beat four lengths by Master of the Seas, getting beat ahead at, at Woodbine in the Arctic uh, doesn't look like a standout race until you see Big Invasion was the winner of that race, which, you know, obviously is fantastic four-minute turf sprint. And then last time in the Breeders' Cup, Mile got beat just uh, three lengths or less than three lengths, two and a quarter uh, by Master of the Seas and company in there. So I like the class that Lucky Score comes out of. Obviously a proven turf horse, uh, a proven turf sprinter has gone the mile in some recent races also remember those woodbine races or one turn miles back in the king edward and the woodbine mile so really the only two turn race on the form for lucky score was the breeders cup mile and didn't embarrass himself there at all when getting beat getting beat two and a quarter length so i thought lucky score had some class going back to a one turn race i think down the hill that kind of style could really suit this horse i just not wild about the post position but on the turf i'm on lucky score uh, if it's on the main track, then it's Forbidden Kingdom and Tahoe Sunrise as a, a very short favorite, co-favorite situation. Well, we can pretend that race three, the grade three Bobby <laughs> Frankel, remains on the turf. A mile and an eighth is the distance. Uh, several of the horses in here look like they're eligible for allowance conditions, so maybe they hustled a few into the race. But a field of six going to post, how'd you see this one? Yeah, this one, though, doesn't have that, like, okay, I'm in this race because I think it's coming off, right? There's not that main track only kind of feel uh, to the entrance. Most of these look like, you know, lifetime turfers. So, And also, too, like, in general, if you're handicapping and looking ahead at races, no matter what track you're playing, and you wonder, are they going to stay on the turf or are they not? Turf sprints are usually going to be the first races that come off the grass. Tracks don't like to run turf sprints when you're talking about a, a soft turf course because so much more of the turf gets ripped up, right? They're all across the track, seven, eight across the track in a turf sprint, and they rip things up terribly. Uh, in a turf route race, they generally start to line up, go two, three wide around the racetrack, and much less of the course gets torn up. So there could be a situation where the first race comes off the turf, but the third stays because it's a route and it's only a six-horse field, they're not going to chew up a whole lot of the course in here. And with rail placement, they can kind of be creative and not ruin the next few days of racing. So the likelihood that the Frankel comes off the turf, it'll probably have to be a bog. And if it's a bog, then it would come off. But otherwise, I think this race might actually stay on the grass. 
I thought the one Lakota Spirit, the horse who should be better than she is, she's by Curlin, uh, by Curlin out of Milam. Um, it really, you know, excellent pedigree. And, and Juan Hernandez has filled the motto team up here. Stepping up into the allowance ranks or from the allowance ranks to a stakes at Santa Anita for the first time. Uh, did run in one stakes in New York back when a Chad Brown trainee. But this one looks to have settled in nicely for the motto this year. A couple runs at Del Mar, one at Santa Anita, and has run pretty well. And just doesn't catch a field that's all that accomplished, quite honestly. So you could step up in class and win this grade two with a horse coming out of the allowance ranks. I thought the three Angel Nadish uh, Angel Nadishiko is probably the speed in the race in a race that really doesn't have that much early pace to it. So the one might just sit second in here and try to pounce over a long shot. And that's the dream trip, right? When you have one horse in front of you who can lead the way, you get a target. And when you don't respect that horse and feel like you can reel them in at any time, that's the absolute dream trip. I think Lakota Spirit might get that. And when you've got Juan Hernandez, you know, riding as well as he has in Southern California over the last few years, uh, you got the right guy in the saddle. Switch over to Laurel. They've got two stakes on their Saturday card, the first of which is race number seven. It's the Gin Talking for two-year-old Phillies sprinting seven furlongs. And we have an undefeated daughter of Vino Rosso in Cap Classique, who will probably be about even money. Yeah, she's three for three, uh, and, and has done it, you know, fairly easily. She won the Smart Halo last time uh, against Open Company. This is an Open Company stakes. You do have some coming out of the state bred ranks or restricted ranks on other circuits. So she does have that Open Company uh, accomplishment already about her. And the longer she goes, the better, right? She's by Vina Rosso out of a scat daddy mare. That's just two turns. And, and what she's done so far in her career is five and a half, five and a half, and six. So stretching out the seven for a long, she's probably only going to get better the longer they go. So uh, Cap Classique, definitely going to be tough in this particular spot. Uh, Butch Reed brings one in from Parks. Uh, interesting, off a Penn National race with Parks base Carmelina. Uh, Reed already has a two-year-old stakes win this meet. He uh, won the weight for it stakes yesterday with a horse named Uncle Henry. So uh, that barn obviously always to be respected when they travel outside of parks. Sheldon Russell gets the call, so Carmelina won the watch for sure. And Kiss by an Angel, I think, is a horse who's going to get a pretty good trip in here. Uh, has a bullet workout at Laurel for this uh, uh, alpha win in the restricted company in the Maryland Juvenile Philly Stakes. She's won at seven-eighths of a mile over the track at Laurel Park. She was a 12-5 claim. You guys would like that, right? 12-5 claim in September. She's made 136000 since then. So uh, she's playing with house money at this point. She doesn't own the connections. Owner trainer Joanne Shankle. Uh, she's not owed a penny with this one. Kissed by an angel's uh, playing with house money at this point. But when a two-year-old filly has the bullet workout fastest of 21, that's pretty significant, December 16th. So she's still holding her form, and I think that's uh, maybe the value play in here. Kissed by an angel going against uh, open company. But uh, Cap Classique, I think, is definitely going to be a tough favorite. And the boys are going to be in the showcase in race number eight, the heft for the two-year-olds. I guess, theoretically, Phillies could run in this race, but there aren't any. They're going to go seven furlongs also on the main track field of eight. Should have another solid favorite in number four, Great Opportunity, who looked really good in his debut on a sloppy track. I have a hard time figuring out how good those races are. Yeah, they, they're tough because sloppy tracks generally exaggerate margins. You know, some horses love it and some hate it. So the resistance to having the slot thrown back at you definitely spreads the field out a lot more. And if you're going to see a blowout in horse racing, the most likely place it's going to happen is on a sloppy track. The thing about great opportunity is one of those, do you believe your eyes? Do you believe what you see on the teletimer, you know? I mean, look at the third quarter of that race. It was a one-turn mile at Laurel. 
third quarter was 26-2, and two, already crawling. And then the fourth quarter, 28-1. and one. Now, the one thing about the Laurel races is they use the second pole finish line for one-mile, one-turn mile races. So great opportunity had to go that extended run beyond the main wire. And that can be tiring on a horse. But 28-1 is walking to be opening up seven and a half lengths. So that tells me the rest of them were doing absolutely nothing. This is one who probably could still be best in this race, but you're almost assured to take a shorter price than what is, you know, what your eyes tell you and, and what the clock tells you. Brittany Russell trains for Rapoli Stable. There's strong connections here. Uh, this horse is going to get hammered in the windows. And so I think great opportunity is going to be over bet. What are your options in here? Maybe the two American War Hero, one who last time was on the turf, if we can draw a line through that previous race in the slot. Maybe we try to draw a line through that. You go back to a debut win going five and a half at Delaware, and, you know, maybe you've got a horse here who was meant to be something, right? They spent 625000 uh in the two-year-old sales on American War Hero. They get the debut win, but maybe we make some excuses for that race going two turns the last time. Uh, around turf and then two turns on the dirt and the slop in the rocky road stick. Maybe American War Hero can bounce back a little. And then Catahoula Moon is probably the other logical contender uh, beyond the favorite great opportunity. Catahoula Moon uh, was in a wicked pace duel last time, 45 and change in the Maryland Juvenile Championship. Ended up running second in that race, but there was big gap back to third, big gap to fourth. So that was a pretty good race down on the inside that day and had to, you know, duel the whole way and never get a breather. Now you go from dueling on the inside to being completely outside of the field with the long run into the turn at seven-eighths of a mile. I think Catahoula uh, Moon's going to get a breather in this race. There's not a ton of speed, so I think the horse kind of track from the outside. If you're going, if great opportunity isn't as good as that last blowout looks and looks more like the timer told you, then I think Catahoula Moon is the horse to beat. Jeremy, really appreciate you taking the time to help Thank us you. out with uh, all of those stakes races at Gulfstream and Santa Anita and Laurel. Seems like you give us winners every time you're on the show, and I hope uh, it continues <laughs> so much this weekend. Uh, best of luck, my friend. Thank you so much. All right. Well, there are eight of them, so if we can't come up with one or two, uh, I don't deserve to be back. Let's try to get – let's go for three. Three for eight as a minimum standard. All right. Though we're going the power of positive thinking, going for at least 37.5% this weekend. <laughs> All right, it. Jeremy, thanks, thanks, thanks so much for joining us, my friend. Happy New Year. Take care. You too. All right, Jeremy Plonk, editor-in-chief out at Express, but uh, giving us uh, his opinions in all the stakes coming up this Saturday at Laurel, at Santa Anita, and at Gulfstream Park. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, got some interesting news that's happened in the last few days. Bob uh, gave you a little bit of a, uh, a teaser on it earlier in the show. Also going to look back at some of the great racing from fairgrounds last week as we head toward our call-in show, which is just 20 minutes from now. This is the First Bet Racing Show on HRRN. They are our cuddlers and co-workers, purr machines and love bugs, and constant companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life so much better. When we face unexpected challenges in life, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people who love their pets and the pets who love their people, ensuring these families stay exactly where they belong, together. And you have something to offer. With an open heart and mind, there is nothing you can't do. There's no gesture too small or too big when it comes to helping. 
Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. You can help keep pets and people together. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? I love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice, or what do you think will happen next, you're inviting them to be curious. All these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills. And it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together. As a father, helping my child is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking, reading, and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Don't miss the Equine Forum every Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on HRRN. Mike Penna brings you the latest in thoroughbred racing, featuring interviews with trainers, jockeys, owners, and other racing insiders. Plus, exclusive segments you won't hear anywhere else. The Equine Forum, the show that launched a network. Saturdays, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to The First Bet Racing Show on the Horse Racing Radio Network. As they straighten away, it's Track Phantom in front after three quarters. In one minute, foul, .04 seconds. Track Phantom leads Nash by two. Sneed charging hard on the outside. Nash is third toward the inside. It's Track Phantom, who's still finding as they come down toward the final 16th with footprint back and forth. With Christian Torres, Track Phantom is leading home Sneed. Nash is third to Track Phantom and the Gunrunner. Track Phantom has won it by a length to Sneed. Nash was third and footprint finish fourth. Welcome back. Final segment on today's edition of the First Bet Racing Show. Bobby Newman, Bob Nastanovich, folks, 2024 is starting off with another installment of the First Bet $20,000 sweepstakes series. Earn entries for every wager you make from January 1st through January 31st to win a $1,000 betting voucher. Get bonus entries on weekdays and on first tracks. Ten runner-up winners will get $500 betting vouchers. Another 103rd prize winners get $100 betting vouchers. Can't win if you don't opt in, so load up your First Bet account and start wagering. All right, right now it's time for the Blood Horse News Update. A look at the top headlines from bloodhorse.com. And this is something that Bob alluded to a little bit earlier in the show. Murphy looking forward to competing at Gulfstream Park. This courtesy of the publicity department at Gulfstream, international standout jockey Asheen Murphy, 
Begin riding at Gulfstream Park December 28th. He did in the final today. With goals of gaining experience in dirt racing while aiming for a mount in the lucrative Grade 1 Pegasus World Cup Invitational January 27th at the South Florida track. Quote, I know that one-third of the races are on dirt, and I really want to get some experience on dirt. I want to ride against the best riders in the United States. Many of them are at Gulfstream. The Ortiz brothers, John Velasquez, and others, said the 28-year-old three-time British champion jockey. Quote, I'd like to be there in the morning for track work and hopefully do well in the afternoon. I would love to get something with a chance in a race like that. I know every big rider wants to be in that race. Murphy said after arriving in Miami on a flight from New York, Jan uh, rather December 27th. That wraps up this afternoon's edition of the Blood Horse News Update. Keep up with all the latest Kentucky Derby news and happenings with Blood Horse social media. With more than 300,000 followers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Blood Horse has the largest social media following of any industry news media focused on owners and breeders. If you're not already a follower of Blood Horse on social media, get started today. And Bob, we saw Sheen Murphy's uh, first mount coming in a synthetic track race in the finale at Gulfstream today. But uh, he is not the first of the European-based riders who have uh, tried their hand in South Florida. We've got, I think, now three of them that are based in South Florida for the winter time. Sheen Murphy is certainly the biggest name of those. Frankie Dettori has been out west a few years, and he's enjoyed his success out at Santa Anita. Different... Uh, Different, but the same. You, you get good weather for the most part in the winter time at both Santa Anita and Gulfstream, where most of the time you get to see both dirt and turf racing. Uh, obviously, today a little bit different at Gulfstream, and this weekend going to be a little bit different out at Santa Anita. But um, big fields out at Gulfstream, and as Asheen mentioned in his quotes, riding against uh, some of the best riders in the country. Oh, unquestionably, and he fits. I mean, everywhere Oshin Murphy's ridden, including Japan. I mean, he's gone to Japan before as a, uh, for a month or two at a time and won plenty of races. Uh, obviously, here he partnered Marshall Lorraine to win the 2021 Breeders' Cup Distaff at Del Mar, um, won the QE2 on Maj this year. It was undefeated at the time and really ran an excellent race in the Breeders' Cup mile, just missing. Um, Aspen Grove, upset winner of the uh, 2023 Belmont Oaks. Extremely capable rider, of course, has been champion rider in, in the U.K., and I think the fans will really enjoy watching him. And uh, pretty well-mounted this weekend, but uh, just like uh, with the less well-known Sean Levy, it might take a little bit of time for these guys to get going. I'm not sure who's hustling their books, um, but obviously, as we know from experience, that's a huge factor at a very busy uh, jockey colony like what they have at Gulfstream Park right now. So that's the big question when it comes to a guy like Asheen Murphy, and certainly his reputation is much greater uh, than Sean Levy's is thus far. Sure. He's, much, he, he's done a whole lot more, and he's obviously one of the top riders based in Europe. But, you know, is he going to get top flight Todd Pletcher or Chad Brown trainees. I would say that there's a very good chance that Safi Joseph would ride him. I mean, Safi seems to ride pretty much everybody in the room. I don't know why. We've already seen that he, he's ridden a, a Christophe Clement trainee. So uh, he's going to ride, you know, for some big names. But is he, he going to supplant 
the Ortiz brothers and, and Tyler Gaffleone and people like that and Luis Saez, or is he just going to, they're going to have to find the best of the horses that those guys aren't riding? Um, probably at first, but I mean, as you saw today, he rode for Christophe Clement, who has a lot of very good horses down there. Um, and a lot of these stakes races, I mean, the ones that we talked about um, briefly that we'll be talking about uh, tomorrow, uh, you know, they're wide open races. And uh, Murphy is an uh, outstanding rider, whether the horse is even money or as he proved in the Breeders' Cup 40 to 1 on Marsh Lorraine. I mean, he's he's just an outstanding rider. Uh, he's very capable um, from the standpoint of being on or near the lead, unlike a lot of European riders. He's a pretty aggressive rider. And um, I think it's pretty, it's a great opportunity for him. You got to keep in mind in the UK right now, um, they're racing on the all weather. The weather's miserable. The purses are, are very low. And like we've seen in recent weeks with uh, Ben Curtis, who's a veteran rider from Yorkshire, he's winning a lot of races at fairgrounds and he's riding for a lot of uh, uh, good Cajun trainers that wouldn't have known his name 90 days ago. So, I mean, if these guys come in and make an impact, work hard in the morning, they'll get their they'll get their chances. I would love to hear from some of our callers during the upcoming call-in show what their opinions are of these guys coming in from uh, Europe and trying their hand at certainly a very tough meet this uh, championship, you know, three or four months down at Gulfstream Park and riding against some of the best riders that we have here in the country. would love to hear some of the our, our listeners who maybe follow the the racing in Europe more than just Breeders' Cup time and and see what their opinions are of Murphy and these other guys and, you know, how well they think they will do here in our country. Obviously, Frankie DeTore has made a, you know, has done very well over in Southern California the last few years, and he's got one of the best agents in the business and Ron Anderson handling his book when he's here in the States, and that's obviously a gigantic advantage. Huge. Um, you, you you alluded to it, you know, that we, we don't necessarily know who's representing these guys coming over here, but that's a big deal, especially getting their foot in the door uh, right off the bat. Uh, Bob, we haven't really had a t- chance to talk about it, so in the last few minutes, uh, they had a monster card last Saturday at Fairgrounds. Eight stakes in all. In fact, we talked about all of them. We previewed all of them during our weekend stakes preview last week, and two of the eight stakes were points qualifiers towards next year's Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby. Those were the untappable. And the gun runner, we heard the stretch call of the gun runner coming out of our most recent break and uh, saw an impressive winner and, uh, and a horse that paid pretty well with Track Phantom getting the job done for Christian Torres and trainer Steve Asmussen went off at almost 5-1. to one. And that's because there was a favorite in there in Nash who probably was overbet at one to two unquestionably overbet and uh you know like we know from handicapping this game for years uh nash won his maiden very impressively at churchill downs but first try versus winners especially at the stakes level is a huge jump up in class and i don't think nash ran a bad race but uh definitely the uh, experience of track phantom who was the less fancied of the uh, two asmussen runners um joel rosario as far as we could tell before the race chose to ride 
uh, track phantom stablemate Riskid, who finished fifth, and Sneed, uh, who we talked about on the weekend stakes preview, as being kind of a, a yardstick horse. I mean, he's a very honest horse, and he ran his race, and track phantom beat him a length and a quarter. So uh, I like to use a horse like Sneed um, as sort of a guide, and uh, I respect Sneed, and I think he'll improve throughout the uh, the triple triple crown season here. Uh, and, you know, Track Phantom definitely, you know, very attractive son of quality road out of an into mischief mare. If you like him onward and upward, he ran he ran a great race and, and showed that he has a very valuable asset and tactical speed. I'll tell you what, one of the most impressive races I saw at Fairgrounds this weekend was a horse that you picked on top, and that was five-star general in winning the Tenacious. You thought that he might be able to get out in front of the field and just keep on going, and it was a strangely run race because he broke on top and ceded the lead to Brigadier General, who opened a clear lead through the opening quarter mile and then tried to slow the pace down, and five-star general just said, nope, that's not going to happen. It's almost like one of those give-and-go things you see in uh, auto racing or something like that. Five-star general blew to the lead, let the other horse clear, then went around him, retook the lead, and he didn't slow down. He ended up winning by three at odds of 12 to one. Yeah, Rosario, um, you know, kind of seized command in the race. And uh, after the race, uh, five-star general's jock, Marcelino Pedroza, who rode an excellent race, said, uh, you know, the, the instructions from the trainer were, to uh, sit back and wait if somebody went crazy early to sit just off of it and he he was sitting on a ton of horse going into the far turn and he just kicked on and, and controlled it uh it was an interesting race that horse came out of a an a unusual key race came out of that race at delta downs that touch upon a star one by a length and a half or a length and three quarters interestingly this weekend we've got miles d at 20 to 1 in the Harlan's Holiday at Gulfstream, who split five-star general and touch upon a star. So that might be a notable piece of form for a horse that's 20 to 1 in the morning line. Uh, normally, we don't get big key races at Delta Downs, but it was Breeders' Cup Friday, that race at Delta. And five-star general is a good horse. He went out there and he won the Long Acres Mile at Emerald. And he's just a very solid, uh, listed, grade 3 performer, hard-knocking horse, and it was good to see him have his day. All right, want to remind everybody, coming up next will be our call-in show. The phone number to get in, 888-966-4776. That's 888-966-HRRN. The call-in show starts about four minutes from now. Bob Nastanovich is going to stick around uh, with me for the call-in show tonight. Would love to hear from our callers on their impressions of what they saw, not only last weekend at either Gulfstream or Fairgrounds, but with the opening day stakes at Santa Anita, of course, we went into it deeply with Jeff Siegel about an hour ago. But, uh, Bob, you and I can discuss it a little bit more, talk about some of the things we saw on opening day at Santa Anita and looking forward to what is now a very long Santa Anita meet. Um, it has been a fun and different edition of the First Bet Racing Show today. We were short on races, but long on talent in getting Jeff Siegel and Jeremy Plonk to uh, join us and uh, rehash last weekend stakes and talk about this weekend stakes. Been a lot of fun today on the First Bet Racing Show. Want to remind everybody, as I mentioned, coming up next will be the call-in show tomorrow. Betting with Bobby, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Live action from Aqueduct, Fairgrounds, Gulfstream, Oaklawn, and Santa Anita. And then the weekend stakes preview tomorrow night from 6 to 7 p.m. For our producers, Lee Delapina and Kim Price, my co-host Bob Nastanovich, I'm Bobby Newman. Thanks for joining us on the First Bet Racing Show. The call-in show is coming up in three minutes.
This place has a pulse. You hear it in the canopy, feel it in the ground. Life, fully illuminated, engulfs you. From the birds singing in the treetops above to the tiniest insects in the soil below, you take a deep, cleansing breath, filling your lungs with the essence of the forest. Now, imagine it's all gone. Healthy, life-giving forests reduced to nothing. No singing birds, no lush canopy, and water and food in short supply around the world. Time is running out to protect our forests, and without our love, they can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our forests. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org love. The YMCA is just a starting line for the true self blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. My why is diversity in unity, a safe space in my community, living with sincerity, giving every day my everything. With my why, I stand strong, seen and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror and everyone belongs. Find your why. Learn more at ymca.org for a better us. When kids need medical care, they will often face stressful and life-changing experiences. From complex treatments to long hospital stays, these special patients miss out on the things that most kids take for granted and let kids be kids. That's where Starlight Children's Foundation comes in. Since 1982, Starlight Children's Foundation has transformed the in-hospital experience for more than 17 million seriously ill kids in 800 children's hospitals and facilities across the United States. Our state-of-the-art programs like Starlight Virtual Reality, Starlight Hospital Wear, and Starlight Gaming let kids just be kids, if even for a few moments. Whether donning an action figure gown instead of standard hospital issue, or settling into gamer mode, if it brings a smile, a laugh, or just a break from their reality, it's happiness delivered. Learn more at starlight.org. That's starlight.org. HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. Radio.net.